Hello, hello. You are listening to episode 17 of the Zero to Full Time Christian Entrepreneur Podcast. This is part two of my interview with Amber. And in part one that aired last week, she shared with us five common myths that Christians are believing about money in the church. Now, in the second part of this interview, she is going to share five practical ways to overcome those myths. So those limiting beliefs that we may have as Christian entrepreneurs. And it is pivotal that we really truly understand what scripture says. What does the Lord say about money? So without further ado, let's dive into the show. Hey friend, and welcome to the Zero to Full Time Christian Entrepreneur Podcast, where we dive deep into all things faith, online courses, coaching, and how to make money from home on Instagram. I'm your host, Cami Wilkie, unapologetic follower of Jesus, wife, dog mom, and your faith-based business coach. If you are tired of your nine to five job, living paycheck to paycheck, and you're ready to go full time as an online coach and course creator on Instagram, then you are in the right place. Buckle up and get ready for business building tips, social media hacks, and a whole lot of Jesus. Let's get to work. Awesome. So we've covered the myths. Let's talk about five ways that um, we can kind of help your listeners overcome these myths and these hurdles, these challenges, um, and how they can really start to walk in the God-given authority that they already have and stop playing small, okay? Is that okay? Absolutely. Let's do it. Perfect. So I always recommend reading the book of Proverbs, literally from start to finish, but not rushing through it. Take it one chapter a day. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Um, and what I love about it is Solomon juxtaposes it mainly to the rich and the poor. Literally sometimes in the same scripture, mm-hmm. we'll see, mm-hmm. you know, this is what the poor people do. This is what the rich people do. And it will help you to transform your mind. Um, and what Proverbs did for me particularly was it helped me to stop feeding into what I call the culture's war on wealth. And what I mean by that is um, there's this idea that permeates society that um, we should take from those who make, right? Or, Or we should take from people who produce things and give it to people who don't have as much. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. That's literally anti-Bible. That's that's literally anti-God. So many political things are going through my mind right now. I won't say them, but they're going through my mind. <laughs> right. But the word of God says, if a man doesn't work, he does not eat. Mm-hmm. And I want to say, because I, I used to think very differently on, about money. In reading Proverbs, it helped me see that God has no respect of person. He respects the principles. So it doesn't matter if you're man or woman, what your ethnicity is, where you are right now in life. God does not have a respect of person. He doesn't have a favorite. He, but God honors his principles. 
Meaning if you do things the right way, if you do things God's way, you get God's results, right? And oftentimes in society, particularly where we have a lot of this discussion, we see people again, wanting to do things out of order. They want to do the thing and do the thing, but they never focus on becoming the person. So that's tip number one, really read Proverbs and read it objectively. Ask the Lord to show you, you, I love reading the word of God because it's like a mirror to me. Yeah. It's the only book that when you read it, it reads you back. And I wish that I came up with that, but I didn't. I heard that when I was listening to Transformation Church. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, And it, it really just comes alive as you read it. So that's tip number one, read Proverbs one chapter a day and read it objectively. Okay. And as you're doing that, you know, definitely take notes and and Mm -hmm. whatever God is speaking to you, write that then, because that's literally what changed my life. I started reading Proverbs and it literally transformed my mind. It wasn't the affirmations. It wasn't a book written by anyone else. It was literally the the word of God. Mm -hmm. That's tip number one. Number two, what I love, love, love for people to do is to write a vision for your life. We know Habakkuk, without a vision, the people perish. But what I found in doing this work is that most most people have an idea of what they want their life to look like um, in their mind, right? But they never put it to paper. They never, ever put it to paper. And what I mean by like writing a vision for your life, what do you want your day to look like? Mm -hmm. Where do you want to work? What kind of house do you want to live in? Or if you even want to live in a house, you want to be in a high rise, what kind of home do you want to live in? Do you want to vacation? Where do you want to eat? Do you want to have children? Do you want a dog? Really get down to the nitty gritty of things. And I say this because after you have your vision, then you can reverse engineer and really map out what your life should look like, right? And not only that, that creates money goals. Because once you have a vision, you can say, okay, well, it's going to take this much to do this or this much to do that. Um, Because right now I feel like the end thing to say is, oh, I want to be a millionaire. I want to be a millionaire. Um, But oftentimes when we look at the numbers and things like that. I've done this with several clients. You really don't even need half a million sometimes to to live the life that you really, really want to live and be able to give back. So that's another thing that I would say, get a vision for your life, write it down and then do the research. See what it's going to take to create that life and to have that life. Um, And then after you have that dollar amount, go to God. And say, Lord, if this is your will, show me how to create this. Because we are only one, I say this often, you are only one God idea away from your fortune. Mm -hmm. Literally one idea away from your breakthrough, from your provision, from your next life, from your next level. Um, but it's always going to be up to us to capitalize on the space that we have and to do the work. Absolutely. And, w- and what I want to, this literally, we just spoke about this on my Bible study last night. I want listeners to hear the difference between what Amber just said 
and the worldly view of manifestation. The worldly view of manifestation says, write down what you want and manifest it into reality. What Amber just said, there's two things that she said that are completely different than the worldly view of manifestation. Number one, she said, write it down and reverse engineer. In other words, take action. Do, don't sit crisscross applesauce in the middle of your living room, like humming and saying, universe, bring this into, no, that's not going to do anything. Take action. Faith without works is dead. The second thing that she just said that is imperative and completely the polar opposite from the worldly culture of manifestation is go to the Lord to purify the desires of your heart. God gave you an imagination. He wants you to use the imagination. But because your flesh is sinful, you have to pause, go to the Lord, ask the Lord to purify. And then once the Lord purifies it, then take action. One of my clients last night gave the best example of this. She goes, when you write a paper in high school and you, you turn the rough draft in, for edits for your teacher and she brings it back to you when there's some red scribbles on it. She, that is her. That is like the equivalent of like purifying your rough draft. Go to God with your rough draft vision and allow him to purify it. Allow him to edit it. Allow him to take out the sinful things and purify it with the fruits of the spirit. Your, your whole vision, he's, nobody's saying that your whole vision is garbage. Your teacher didn't say, hey, your whole essay, just wipe this out and start completely new. She said, no, here's some edits. Here's some corrections. Here's some, a couple of red, red pen marks to make some adjustments here or there. You have permission from the Lord to use the imagination that he gave you. But don't think that it stops there with where God comes into play. You have to continually go back to the Lord to purify the vision of your life to make sure that you are not off track. So good. <laughs> so, so good. I love that. Um, I love that you said you have permission from God to use your imagination. Mm -hmm. I love that because I truly believe that God gave all of us an imagination to show us almost like a preview of where he can take us, right? So I love that you just gave someone permission to use their imagination because when we're little girls and it's glitter and rainbows and we're talking about being, you know, princesses and all of these things, right? I know I grew up hearing often, you can't have your cake and eat it too. And, and we hear things like that so that by the time you're eight, nine or 10, we stop dreaming, we stop imagining we live life in this box of what's safe so thank you can we just for giving somebody permission just to start dreaming again and imagining again um, but more, most importantly committing your dream and your imagination and your vision to the lord i love it oh thank you thank you and, and it's only because somebody like sewed that into me <laughs> that was not a cammy thing I wish. But again, like I said, like everything good in us is, is from the Lord. Like, yes. so thank you for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, third thing that I want your listeners to really start to do is really honing in on any negative associations that they may have around money and wealth. Anything that comes up, it may be um, a bad experience as a child. Um, it may be seeing your parents argue about money. So you think that, you know, 
if I don't have an if I don't have money or if I keep my money separate from my husband that that won't cause those issues anything negative around money and around wealth I really want you to start to really like tap into it and understand the root cause of it because any and everything like you said Cammy that's been put into us is either from the Lord or it's either from Satan right so anything that is negative around money um that's there to distract you that's there to stop you that's there to paralyze you from taking action we already know that that is from the adversary but you will never ever be able to heal and evolve past something you never address right mm, that's good so the key there is really sitting in identifying any negative associations that you have um and then number four this is easier said than done but once you do it, it's so, so free. Um, I want your listeners to stop being afraid of wealth and to stop being afraid of abundance. Um, and it kind of goes back to what I, I said earlier is that when a culture really, how do I put this in nice ways? When a culture is um, really set on creating a narrative that having wealth is bad um, and living in abundance is really, really bad. Um, we create fear around having it because we don't want to be judged. We don't want to be called names. Um, where the, the actual truth is that only in abundance can you help others. Only in abundance can you make that impact. What I never ever want to be is like the poor wise man in Ecclesiastes, where I have such great fruit, but no one cares because my life never looked as if I could do more, right? Mm -hmm. Because my life never looked like I lived in abundance. So I just want to help someone get over the fear of having more um, because that was something that literally stifled me for years. I wondered how would my family perceive me if I made more money? How would, what would my friends say about me? And let me tell you, no one gets upset when we go out to dinner and I can pay for everyone. Or, or you know, when my girlfriends and I go to brunch and I can take care of the tab. No one hates me for that, right? If anything, me making more is me being more of a light now more than ever, because I'm showing them, hey, you can be righteous and you can be rich. You don't have to be like the rich young ruler who ran away from Jesus. You can have possessions on earth and you can be so abundant in spirit where those that are connected with you, I like to call it residual anointing, where you're so anointed that the people who are connected to you, they have no choice but to catch the overflow. Mm -hmm. And I just want that to be the aim for every believer to be so abundant, to be so anointed in God's spirit and God's provision and God's wealth that those connected to us have no choice but to see the light that we are. And then they have no choice but to be affected positively as well. Right, absolutely. That makes me think of... Um, again, I'm going back to Transformation Church just because it, there's just so many analogies, great analogies that like that Pastor Todd has talked about that are really prevalent here um, of being being a river for the Lord. 
So that once the Lord blesses you with something, he can also get it through you to somebody else and not to be a dam where the water just stops. So for example, to put that really practically, if the Lord blesses me, for example, with the finances and the abundance to not only take care of my family, but to serve and support somebody else who is in need, I have the responsibility to be a river for what the Lord has given me. And sometimes, um, I'd love to hear your take on this, but I think maybe, um, maybe some of us have witnessed those who are wealthy who maybe act like a dam where th- they hold it. They hold it in. They have the ability to bless others, but they don't. But but recognize again that, that the money there is neutral. It is the attitude of the person who is holding the money. It's it, The wealth itself is still not evil. It is the attitude of which that person is hoarding it rather than allowing it to, to pass through and to be a blessing to those around them. Absolutely. Um, I love someone once said that money is just a magnifier. Mm-hmm. So if someone is wealthy and, you know, um, stingy, they were stingy when they were poor. The, the money didn't do that. It just merely magnified mm. it. Um, if you're a giver, when you don't have much, you're going to be even more of a giver when you have more. All money does is magnify who you are. And that's why it's so important to become that person now before it comes, right? Before it ever comes so that you can, like you said, be a conduit for God's blessings. There's nothing more gratifying than being a giver. And I can say that now that I am a giver. When I was not, I used to think of it very differently, right? I used to say, man, if I could just have more then I could do that, 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 I could, I'll be honest, at one point I wanted to get my nails done two times a week and I could only go like once a month, right? And I remember that I was like, man, I just want to make more money where I can get my nails done twice a week so it doesn't grow out, you know, you know, mm-hmm. grow out. Yeah. And then I got more money and, you know, I still only go once a month, but now I have more money to give to others, to give to missions. It's like, man, what I thought I wanted it for, it doesn't even matter anymore. What matters is furthering God's agenda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm so here for you with that. Um, and let me just give the very last one because it, it's really in the same vein. I want your listeners to start expecting more of themselves. Because oftentimes we don't expect enough of ourselves. Meaning we are quick to say, I can't. Mm now isn't the right time or I'll do this when and then we have like this whole caveat right yeah and I I tell my clients often anytime you say I can't you are lying on God because mm-hmm. his word says that we are made in his image and when when they ask God you know what are you he says I am literally so anything that is against that, we're lying on God. We're literally lying on God. So when we say, I can't do it, well, his word says, if God before you, who can be against you? His word says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when we say we can't do something, and when we minimize ourselves, when we minimize our gifts and our abilities, we are lying on God. 
we're literally saying, yeah, I know your word says that, but nah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's such a slap in the face to God to diminish the amazing things that you're capable of doing. Mm-hmm. The amazing people that you are capable of impacting, right? Just because we don't want to do it. And I love to say, it's not that you don't want to do it. You don't want to put forth the effort to think through it. Yes. Sometimes we just don't want to think about how to do it. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's so true. When I was growing up, it was um, considered a cuss word in our house to say the word can't. And like literally my dad would correct us every time the phrase I can't came out of our mouth. My dad would be like, mm, I can't, I can't. What does that mean? What does that mean? I can't, did never, did, I, I can't never got anything done. What does that mean? What does that mean? And obviously he would do it in a kind way, but, but what he was trying to instill in us is the phrase I can't is rooted in a victim mentality. And what I want to challenge listeners on whether you're challenging yourself on this or whether our listeners then and challenge another person on this, um, the most common phrase that we hear in the coaching space with I paired with I can't is I can't afford that. That I believe is a victim mentality rooted in somebody not not wanting to take responsibility over their finances or responsibility over the action that it would take to to, to afford that thing. So instead I would challenge people to rephrase that. It's not a priority for me right now and see how that feels. Mm -hmm. If that feels, it's not a priority for me right now. And if you feel, yeah, like it's not that I can't afford that. I just am going to prioritize something else. And if something moves in your spirit, when you say that's not a priority for me right now, and you all of a sudden feel convicted, like the Lord's like, my assignment isn't a priority for you right now. That's how you can know is, is it really you quote unquote can't afford it? Or are you not prioritizing the assignment of the Lord? Because what we also have to understand as Christians is when the Lord gives an assignment, you are now responsible for that assignment. It is considered disobedience to procrastinate that assignment. And it is considered disobedience to not follow through with that assignment. You are responsible for what the Lord tells you. I love that. Thanks. That's so good because very few people talk about that. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. And you literally just said that. That is so true. And how often do we not make God's will a priority? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so good. That's a whole (laughs) Thank you. Oh, no, that's so good. So, yeah, those are the five ways. Read Proverbs. Mm-hmm. Write your vision for your life, reverse engineer it, and take it to God. Say, Lord, take anything out that isn't like you and then show me how to execute on this vision you have given me. Three, begin to identify any negative associations you have around money or wealth. Four, stop worrying about what people are going to think about you, say about you, um, how they're going to interact with you when you have more wealth. Notice I said when, not if, but when. Mm-hmm. And number five, start to expect more from yourself. And like Cammie, like you just summed this up, prioritize God's call for your life. That's so good. Oh, thank you. Amber, this has been 
a really life-giving hour with you. And we're going to split this into two, um, two episodes because I want people to, I almost think that they're going to need to like simmer on the first five myths for like a whole week. And then the next week we'll come out with the five ways to overcome these things. Um, and essentially what I love about this, this episode is, um, Amber is lovingly calling people out on the lies that they're believing, but she doesn't stop there. She's now giving you practical action steps to overcome those things. So like we just said, if you are listening to this podcast episode right now, you are now responsible for what you have heard. Never again. Can you claim, well, I just, I just never didn't know that like, I I couldn't, that, that saying I can't afford it was holding me back. Now you do. Now you do. Now you know that it's disobedience to delay action on, on the assignment the Lord has given you. Now you understand that there are some myths and some indoctrinations that are happening in the church around money. Now also, you know, because Amber gave you multiple scriptures, now you know where to go find the truth. And because you know now where to go find the truth, you can no longer claim that you that you didn't know the truth. So please understand that. Um, Amber, this has been such a blessing to be on this call with you. Uh, please, please, please let, let the listeners know. Again, remind them, where can they find you on Instagram? Um, is there, and then also, is there anything, anything that you're promoting right now, whether it's, it's a, a free offer or a paid offer, anything that you would like to uh, tell the listeners about if they want to kind of move forward in this with you. Absolutely. I would love for your listeners to connect with me on Instagram at amberblack.co at amberblack.co. One more time at amberblack.co. Um, and more than anything, I just want you to take this platform that Cami has created. And y'all just meditate on it. Cami, you are such a warrior for the Lord. You're such a warrior for the truth. And I just thank you for this time and this space. Um, one thing that I am very, very passionate about is my uh, money mindset coaching program called Righteous Enrich. So I would love to have any and everyone that is ready to do this meaningful, deep work um, to change the trajectory of your life and your finances. I would love for you to join me and the handful of ladies who are already in the group um, as well. So you can click the link in my bio and Instagram once you find me. Um, and I am just wishing everyone nothing but righteous and rich vibes. Oh, thank you so much, Amber. And you guys also, I will put the link to Amber's Instagram profile in the show notes. So either either go search it up yourself, amberblack.co, or just scroll down in the show notes and it will be there for you as well. Amber, thank you for pouring into us today. Thank you for giving us your time and just serving us so well with truth. Thank you. Guys, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to not just part one, but part two of these amazing life-giving episodes. I am seriously in awe. I am going to go back and listen to them myself. I am going to like send each one of my clients say, hey, pop up assignment for you this week. Listen to both of these episodes like 15 times over. You guys, this is one that you're, you may need to go back and listen to a few times. Take notes. Bring a highlighter every single time that Amber mentioned a scripture, write that scripture down. And then in your prayer time, take that scripture, highlight it in your Bible and sit and meditate on it. And I promise you that the Lord will show you something if you give him the opportunity to speak. Thank you again 
for taking the time to listen. This is episode now 16, um, episode 15 and 16, part one, part two. I love you guys. I'll see you next week in the Zero to Full Time Christian Entrepreneur Podcast. Oh,